Welcome back to Cooper Duper, a Twin Peaks podcast for regular people. This is Jessica. I'm Mikey. And we are back with season two, episode eight, called Drive with the Dead Girl. So this is just, we just learned who killed Laura Palmer, and we're sort of... Yeah. I was going to say dealing with the aftermath, but we're not really necessarily dealing with the aftermath of that, because we, the audience, know. Yeah. But... I mean, you're planting the seeds of... Sure. You know, where there's still aftermath. In the community and whatnot, but... Right. Um, all right, so do you want to just jump right in with the log lady, unless you've got any other nope. overarching things? Okay, this is a wild log lady section. Uh, first, she's she takes a little sip of tea, which is new. And I don't... Now I want to know, like, does she have, like, an affectation every... Everything because so. she I think saw they just, her chain like, pitch. They shot them all in one day, and they were like, "Do something different for this one. Do something different for this one." Like, mm-hmm. they probably just did slight slight changes to everything to make them seem like they weren't all shot right. in a day, which they clearly were. Yeah, and I think she's wearing the same clothes up every time. It's definitely the same sweater. I don't know if the yeah undershirt. I don't recall. Okay, so the Love Lady intro, which once again, if you are streaming this, you won't have access to. It's only on disc versions. Um, Suckers. <laughs> nerds. Don't even know how all the Twin Peaks goes. Um, we generally see this as uh, Lynch directly wrote these, so we see it as his him sort of p- putting his very obfuscated view on the given episode. Um, and this one is not especially subtle. Okay. Food is interesting. For instance, why do we need to eat? Why are we never satisfied with just the right amount of food to maintain good health and proper energy? We always seem to want more and more. When eating too much, the proper balance is disturbed and ill health follows. Of course, eating too little food throws the balance off in the opposite direction, and there is the ill health coming at us again. Balance is the key. Balance is the key to many things. Do we understand balance? The word balance has seven letters. Seven is difficult to balance, but not impossible. We're able to divide. There are, of course, the pros and cons of division. End quote. What? So you said immediately when we were watching it, oh, he's talking about how the, this season's kind of it's front-loaded. Just, everything is, is about the, the balance of... Take Twin Peaks, I, I see it as take Twin Peaks as a whole. Mm-hmm. All of the goofy shit you're about to see coming up, compare that to all the great shit you already saw and balance it out. Sure. And is it still a worthwhile show? Also, I've been asking myself my entire life, why do we eat? Because the thing about <laughs> being married to Mikey is that I like food a whole lot, and I'm a pretty good cook if I do say so myself. I am hamstrung when it comes to cooking for you because A, you're a little bit of a picky eater and B, you don't care about the delicious food yes, I make. I just it do is not. a waste on you. Yep. I make a lot of- <laughs> I, I eat because otherwise I if I don't, I will die. To give you an example, if Mikey is if I go out of town for like a couple nights, Mikey's probably gonna eat pizza for most meals. Yeah, maybe. Um, if Mikey goes it's out, easy. Of town, I don't have to cook anything. I don't have to do anything, and I get my sustenance. Yeah, tombstones are really packing in the vitamins. I mean, whatever, or I'll eat a sandwich or whatever. I don't care. <laughs> like I just, I don't care. I don't get excited about food. The last time Mikey went out of town, I got myself um, a tuna fillet. I got the makings for risotto, and I made a goat cheese uh, mushroom risotto. 
I made lamb chops, which were really good. So when Mikey leaves town, I make these over, or I invite my friend Ann over, who loves my cooking, and then I make her something elaborate. Sometimes I do the deluxe mac and cheese. With the panko bread crumbs and and bacon? I'm doing the chef's kiss thing. You can't hear it, but (laughs) I'm doing it. (laughs) Usually the chef's kiss is... Like you do, but like just the you're doing like part. the Italian, it, whatever the Italian mobster talking about like a really nice prosciutto. Um, okay, so but the, anyway, the that all of this is to say like balance everything, like all of basically everything in David Lynch's universe is about balance. Balance binaries. Yeah, find find the, find the medium. Live in the now. You know. Everything is be present, be all of it. Like, and I think they're saying the same thing about this show. Like, don't just take the ride yeah. and let it play out. So we open in the Palmer house. So the last episode ended with the horrifying murder yeah. of Maddie by Leland slash Bob. This is another of one of them I'll get into later. I think I've mentioned it. But of like the th- three things that scared the hell out of me as a kid that that stuck with me. Oh yeah. One of them is mirrors, just in general, the mm-hmm. bathroom mirror. The they have the mirror that he looks at again with it's like a little wooden block so, with like a shelf, but also has a mirror on it. Think- that particular mirror scares the hell out of me because I had one in my house that was very very similar. So what my guess is, and I don't know this for sure, but I would guess it's like a leftover from when we used um, candles. And you probably would put the candle there, and then the mirror reflects more light out. Oh, yeah. It, I mean, whatever what I it is, it's, it just is. A, it's just a, a little wooden shelf about, you know, eight inches wide. And then above it is a little mirror thing. It's just, it was just 90s decoration, whatever. Yeah. But we had a very similar mirror. So that and just all of the mirror things scared the crap out of me. Uh, but this shot, the opening opening shot of the Palmer house... With the way the tree branches are just like silhouetted and just looming over this house, like uh-huh. like these grotesque fingers, mm. just like ready to grab this house and just suck it into just this terrifying space. I, that image is so ingrained in my head uh-huh. in this way that doesn't make it like it just pops in like. When I'm afraid of things, sometimes that image just pops in there. Oh, interesting. So it's a very weird thing when, like, because this is the first Palmer house. The Palmer the the, the Palmer's house changes for Fire Walk with Me, oh, and okay. then again for season three, it becomes a different house, mm-hmm. and that's the one where like Mary Reber lives there currently, mm-hmm. and she was in season three, and it's a whole thing. But that house became kind of iconic, and. She's a fan now, and she lets people like visit it from time to time and things like that. That which is really really cool. But yeah. this original house scares the crap out of me because <laughs> there's just some. It's and it's shot like super low angle, looking up at this house with just these branches in silhouette. Just like it, I don't know why, but it's, it's terrifying. Impressed itself in your yeah, it's terrifying, and you can just hear faintly in the background like the screaming and mm-hmm. stuff. It's terrifying to me. Yeah. Um, and like, of all like the it the murder scene doesn't scare me. It's the looking in the mirror and the tree outside. Yeah, it's something about the environment that scares me. Like it, like maybe just the fear of like you know, the like home invasions are scary because that's where you're supposed to be safe sure. at home and all this. But it's there's something terrifying about 
the way through these series of a few episodes at least like make the environment scary not the thing not the act not the demon killer bob whatever Mm -hmm. he technically is it's the environment that's scary for some reason yeah i you know for me actually i think i've talked about this already just like the way it's decorated is so prototypical late 80s early 90s Mm -hmm. and like just the way houses to me maybe it's just how i remember childhood but like i just remember houses like that just always being really dark and like Mm -hmm. just a little bit eerie and like the only source of light is the fact that everything is like mauve colored you know what i mean (laughs) like it's yeah if if you had like a dark gray blankets and things and you wouldn't see anything yeah Yeah. um so we are uh at the leland the excuse me the palmer's house uh leland is putting balls off a green into the living room chipping technically yeah i was gonna say i think it was yeah because it was all over the chair and he's got an iron not a putter so he's he's lifting them he's yeah um, Donna and James come over to say goodbye to Maddie. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, Leland says, oh, you just missed her. I dropped her off the bus station 20 minutes ago. She was expecting you to come over last night. Mm-hmm. She's really disappointed. You should write to her. This is all very interesting. Okay. What's your take? Um, How divided is Leland and Bob? Does he come in and out? Is he just bob all the time and every time he's leland quote unquote he's pretending so is it the other way around so are we asking is he knowingly lying to these kids or is he has he been like uh, i don't know his memory has been, been yeah modified? Is, is does he is he aware of what's happening so i think going into this episode i would have thought no, they're two separate things. He's being like fully possessed and is not doesn't mm-hmm. have you know authority over his, uh, his faculties. But the end of this episode, I think, changed my mind when he gets the news about um, that they arrested uh, uh, Ben Horn, and he turns around and he does that thing where he's like sobbing oh, but laughing. Like the maniacal. Fa- okay, yeah, 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 I guess more in the middle, but yeah. Oh, is it okay. okay. That's, that's what I thought you were saying. Like when they found Maddie. Oh like, no, no, no. Gotcha. Um, I want to think... I, here's the thing, and I think I've said this before. I don't know if I like the character of Leland Palmer. I don't know if I just love Ray Wise, and I do. Like, I think he's such an outstanding performer mm-hmm. um, that it's hard for me to, like, assign mm-hmm. this murderous and thing to him. And I think we'll tackle that on a broader level on the next episode when... Oh, yeah, yeah. I think it's the next one. There might make, be one more. We're not going to make promises anymore about what the next episode is. Yeah, right. We've boned that anyway, before. But there's there's a big Leland yeah. monologue sequence, like yeah. big Leland stuff coming up. So we'll, I'm sure, address that and culpability and stuff more so in that episode. But just like these moments now, like this is the first time Ray Wise knows to play two sides. Oh, so that's know. coming up. Yeah. Okay. He didn't know until the last ep- The actor did not know until the Correct. last episode that he... Okay. okay. Or seemingly a little bit before. I don't know exactly when he found sure. out. But, but he didn't season know. one, he wouldn't have he known. He didn't know. Interesting. Um, so I so guess... any clues were accidentally dropped, sure. and then they may have played on it later. Sure. Things like that. I guess my sort of read on it would be that, um, that he is two separate entities... Uh, Leland and Bob are separate and living in the 
Leland vessel body, mm-hmm. whatever. I think Bob is becoming stronger and Leland sure. is becoming weaker. Sure. And he I, gets stronger when he kills. Like that makes sense. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. um, because. So I, <laughs> I, I read a lot of stuff and watch a lot of stuff about serial killers. And one of the things about like. Whether you're insane, like Golden if, State Killer just got yeah, life, fuck no that parole, guy. Hey, watch. Uh, I'll be I'll gone in the yeah, dark. It's, it's very, very so good. good. The book is very, great. Very the document documentary is amazing. Um, the one of the reasons, so you can plead insanity, right? You can mm-hmm. say, and that is to say, I was not aware of right and wrong at the time of the murders. Mm-hmm. Um, the way you can't, the way most people say, no, obviously you were not insane. Obviously, you knew what you were doing is what they are doing, not necessarily during the act of whatever they do, but before and after. If they make an effort to clean up, if they knowingly lie to somebody, mm-hmm. or if they manipulate somebody into doing this, lawyers can say, well, obviously he obviously he knew right from wrong because he knew he needed to cover up this mm-hmm. murder. Um, and all that's to say is like, to me, this scene, especially later with the, with the trunk and the golf clubs and shit like that, when he's like, trying to bring Cooper in, and we'll obviously talk about that more. To me, that speaks to insanity. To me, that speaks to, like, that Leland had no fucking idea that there was a body in his trunk. Mm-hmm. That's my sort of gauge on it. But again, I, I am genuinely mm-hmm. coming from it of, like, I want to, but, I want Leland that's to the thing. Your, That approach is grounded in the real world and modern science, and people are sometimes insane and not possessed by an otherworldly sure. being. Yeah, yeah, you know what I yeah. mean? Like, but I, I think to me that the key is that it's similar that you are not in control of your faculties and that like you sure. functionally do not know what you're doing is is wrong. So right. like yeah, I'm not going to go into and, various and then, killers. And then it, but then it also gets into like oh he's like oh I dropped her off at the bus station. Does he think he dropped her off at the bus that's station? What I, yes. That's exactly like is this, that is where is this I'm Bob not sure. somehow tricking him and saying like like planting like, memories. Like he could have even like gotten to his car, driven to the bus station, and thought he was dropping her off. But in actuality, he was packing her in the golf bag. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like all of those things, I find fascinating. Uh huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do too. Also, I do. I'll say just about this scene, just from a combination writing and directing standpoint. Mm-hmm. This use of golf in the house is being like oh that's quirky and weird and silly and scary Uh also using that as a way to show you that maddie is in the bag Mm -hmm. instead of just like they do that thing where they just like open it up check and see yep Yep, the body's still still there there. zip it back up that they do in tv all the time where like they need to show you a thing Mm -hmm. but there's no reason for them to show you a thing yeah so they do this way of him Oh, I'm just chipping in my house, mm-hmm. and then I have to put the club back, yeah. and then you realize, you know, oh, that there's a body in there. Like I, that was just I thought brilliant screenwriting of I very, agree. very well done. You know, show don't tell, all right. that stuff. Like um, very well done. So Sarah calls him upstairs. Also, we didn't acknowledge this is written by Scott uh, Frost. Scott is he related to Mark Frost? I think it's Mark Frost's brother, okay. if I'm not mistaken. And directed by Caleb Deschanel, who's primarily a cinematographer um, and father of Emily and Zoe Deschanel and married to Mary Jo Deschanel, who plays um, Donna's mom. Yes. Um, Yeah, he's the son of Warren Frost, brother of Mark Frost. Okay, yeah. Um, 
and Caleb Deschanel is primarily a cinematographer, mm-hmm. and it shows. This episode is very, very good. Very looking. lovely to watch. It's there's great slow camera movements. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll probably talk about it a little bit later, but one of my favorites is just the pan along the bars when Pete is talking to Ben Horn in the jail, and they're going one bar at a time. Mm-hmm. It's just this slow, slow tracking shot along the bar. Like I love it. There's great stuff with the sirens and at night at the end mm-hmm. like there's yeah. there's some great just, just slow camera movement in this that otherwise would have been static for a lot of other people yeah it feels love. very very cinematic yeah in a way that a lot of episodes flowy. don't necessarily yeah. um so sarah calls leland upstairs and when leland returns and then james and donna as he's upstairs have this moment where they like see all the golf balls and start giggling which I Is think they're just, just like, teens? this like, guy's fucking weird, yeah. man. Okay, I that's thought, a, like, that's I think I it's, yeah, it's just, is he, is he really just, like, clubbing Chipping. golf balls around his living room? Yeah. All right, man, you do you. Like, what a fucking weirdo. That little bit did feel more juvenile, and I mean that in a positive way of, like, yeah, we, it, we spend so much time real, making these, yeah, yeah. we spend some time, so much time making these kids seem like adults. So melodramatic. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so just them being, like, weird dads. Yeah. <laughs> like, and weird dads are obviously a source of great humor yeah. throughout throughout yeah. time. Um, so when he comes back, when Leland comes back, he tells James and Donna that they can write to Maddie, uh, that she would like that very much. He then turns to the mirror to adjust his tie. Is this that kind of segmented That's mirror that you're the talking mi- about? Yeah. Mine, ours wasn't segmented that way, uh-huh. but it was the same shape wooden yeah. thing, but it just had one mirror inside. Yeah. Inside. Um, God, and again, you I've see the reflection bought, as Bob. Ooh. I've already bought your, your your birthday presents. I would have bought you a cool mirror for. Our... Oh yeah, thanks. <laughs> Appreciate that. Ugh. Mikey's birthday is on Monday. Oh, it was on Monday. By the time you're hearing this, Mikey's oh, yeah. a year older. Wish him happy birthday, won't you? Or don't? I don't care. <laughs> okay. Um. Sa-sa-sa. Just it's tie in the mirror. Bob stares back at him. Then Leland packs his club into the golf bag with Maddie's body, which he places in his convertible's trunk. Which, even that, they do a great job of, like, you just kind of see some fingers, mm-hmm. some the plastic, hair. and a little bit of hair, and that's about, like, and some blood. Leland is a strong-ass man, because he hoists up, what, she's probably, like, a buck but thirty. also looks like he's doing it. Yeah. Like, look, whatever when he drops in it that, in the trunk, yeah, it feels. When he's holding that on his shoulder, he's... Yeah. He, whatever it is, he's carrying something heavy. Yeah. And granted, she's probably maybe 110 pounds tops. Yeah. yeah. So it's not like it's, you know, uh, that heavy. But like, it's not that He's fun. carrying. It's it's not. I'm gonna go back to Lost again when Locke is like walking through carrying a body like by its head, just like <laughs> one arm over the shoulder. I'm like, whatever he's carrying so weighs stupid. 17 pounds. <laughs> like, you see that all the time. People just whip people over their shoulders, like. Yeah. Like, whenever there's supposed to be a body in a bag or yeah. something like that. And you're like, there's literally no way whatever they're carrying is more than 22 pounds. Right, like, right. It's insane. But there, this actually... And, like, the bag he uses feels like... It was it's an un, hat. It's an unnecessarily large golf bag mm-hmm. for someone who isn't yeah. traveling. It's like a travel yes. golf club's bag. Yeah. Which also mean like, why does he have that? Is it... Is that what he pulled over Is this why he has this bag? Is because it makes it easy to transport bodies? Hmm, I didn't think of that. Because he seems like a guy who doesn't get out of Twin Peaks that much. Sure. Yeah, I don't know. 
Anyway. Um, he puts the top down of his convertible, even though it's, they've established, like, he grabs his winter coat, and then he gets in the car and puts the top down, which, whatever. I didn't notice that. That's great. Because, <laughs> well, you know, you don't know where we are. It's February, but it's the middle of California, but it's not. But what? Um... So we cut to the cell where Ben Horn is after his arrest for the murder of, uh, of Laura Palmer. Um, so he's brushing his teeth in jail, and he's—I really like—I really like this presentation of him in jail because he's wiping down each of the bars, just like like he had like he's afraid of COVID, just like wiping down <laughs> yeah. everything. Like I just—I think it's just to get everything around him is falling apart. Mm-hmm. And it gives him some semblance of like control. Yes, again. I like. Agree. I need to s- try to at least control this environment that I'm in. Right. And also, I'm rich and classy. I this is disgusting. This. Yeah. I I don't need to be slumming it like this. Yeah. Um, his brother Jerry enters, who we haven't seen in a minute, right? That's true. Yeah, we have not. Um, and he says that he's going to be handling Ben's case. Per- Coming, he's back from Japan, apparently. Yeah. Whatever he's, he's doing in Japan. Yeah. He just keeps jet-setting all yeah. over the place. It's great. Um, Comes back when we need him. Yes, exactly. <laughs> it's a really convenient like, I plot love device. It's, it's, it's never like, oh, he just hasn't been in a couple episodes, but he's still in town doing whatever. He yeah. just No, he had to be coming back from France or from yeah. Japan or wherever, like in Norway or whatnot. Like he ha- he's never just like... Oh, just not in this episode. Right. He has to be like Gone. across the globe yeah. somewhere. So he said. So Jerry says that he'll be handling Ben's case personally since Leland is under suspicion of murder himself. Um, ben for Jacques. For Jacques. Yes, thank you. I would not have figured that out. Um, ben says that he was with Catherine the night of Laura's death, um, and the brothers. Not a good alibi. No, um, but the brothers then reminisce. About Louise Dabrowski dancing in their room I, with a flashlight when they were kids. I love this scene. A lot of people hate this scene. I kind of hate it. I love it, and it, I, it's it's a it's when legitimately say, a, a thing that's like transcended the show as being like a polarizing moment in Twin Peaks. I love it. I don't know when why. you say this scene, you don't mean just like the jail part, the literal cutscene that's them as kids. All of it. Okay. All of it, but like the the cutscene, like the way, like I. I, it's one of the few moments in Twin Peaks where we go back outside of Laura Palmer we go back and see I mean it, you don't have to go back necessarily like they do in this case but you get to see a relationship before the show started mm-hmm. where you don't do that very often like why are like oh they've been close since they were children right. like this is what spawned their like pervy nature to start one-eyed jacks and like all of these things of like you get some depth to these characters in a great way the dance sequence is weird and super like they got a really slow shutter speed so everything trails Mm -hmm. when she moves she's all silhouetted which still is screaming 1990s with her like blousey shirt and Uh skirt and like that weird like triangle haircut yeah like it's still you can tell exactly like which is funny yeah because it's supposed to be significantly earlier than that um but i i just i find it really interesting and also a 
side note, a little bit tangential, but a little tidbit. Um, that dancer is Emily Fincher, who is the sister of David Fincher. Um, and Emily Fincher worked on as like a production assistant to Greg Feinberg, who is a producer in Twin Peaks. So she's been on set a lot, so they got her to do this, but she is David Fincher's sister. Interesting. Yeah. That's fun. Yeah. Um, I don't like this. Okay. I love the dancing part, and I love that kind of aesthetic. Mm-hmm. What I hate or dislike or find distasteful is sort of the performative nature of it. I think if we had seen the context of this girl dancing and either she didn't know the boys were watching. I don't think she did. How is that impossible? I think I I I think this is kind of like the because it's so surreal looking. Uh-huh. I think this is their like blown up memory of what this was. And it was them sitting somewhere while she was dancing and it's over the years in their memory turned into sure. this show that she put on for them but it I don't think it was I think she was just like thought the kids were in bed and she had a music on and was dancing okay that's I I and I find it and like that's what made it cool for them and they were sneaking and watching this yeah it's very voyeuristic yeah and the, I don't think I don't think she knew which is why you don't see her interact with them which is mm-hmm. why she's silhouetted mm-hmm. I think this is kind of a do you think it really happened I think a variation of it happened. Okay. Also, like, that's what, like, everything looks different. It, it, like, granted, yeah, you do that in flashbacks just because. Sure. But I think there's something about it that this is, they extrapolated this sure. whole story behind it. Sure. Um, no? Do you, I, you seem to it, disagree. It, it, and granted, I know I'm, I'm putting that on things. That's the thing is I, I don't necessarily disagree with you. I just think you're doing a lot of work on behalf of of that scene sure. which doesn't mean yeah. it's wrong like and that could be what they had envisioned I, I I'm but I'm curious because like I hear a lot of people who hate this scene I don't and I don't get why people hate this scene I mean, so I'd like to the, hear why you you didn't like it well I mean I, I it's what I said that like I to me and maybe maybe I am reading it wrong and it's very possible but to my understanding is that this girl is supposed to be their babysitter or somebody. Mm-hmm. So she's a little bit older than them. And to me, it feels a lot like this sort of very um, male-centered worldview of women are there to entertain us and to dance sure. for us and to be decoration for us as opposed to a fully-fledged three-dimensional human mm-hmm. being with hopes and needs and, and all that. Sure. And I don't, I'm not crazy about... Because th- to me, it feels like this, say, 16-year-old girl is, at least in their memory, at least the way it's presented to us, is, like, flirting with this, like, 10-year-old. Mm-hmm. And that just, like, makes me feel ucky. It just makes me feel like it's a very, like, male fantasy of... But that's, I think... That's my take. Is that which it might be? It's it's coming from their memory, right. so it is male centered, right? But because we don't have an objective 
you know, everything we see is through their mm-hmm. lens, so to speak. So I don't objectively know what happens. And so, like, as it sits, it makes me feel gross because yeah. it feels like, oh, this 16-year-old is trying to seduce this 10-year-old or something, like, equally not okay. Mm-hmm. Um, if, I think, if they would have been, like, peeking out from behind a door or, like, she could not have been aware or what we see that sure. she wasn't aware, I think that would have been very different because I think that would have been more, like, a woman enjoying herself and these boys sort of like latching onto it as opposed to a performance for them. It's like, yeah. it, to me, it comes down to her motivation. Was she dancing okay. because she likes music and yeah. a flashlight and she was just having fun or was she doing a performance for these young boys? Mm-hmm. And I don't think it is clear enough which one is true. Yeah. Um, and because I, I've consumed media for my whole life, I tend to not give the benefit of the doubt of like, oh, well, yeah, like, it was supposed to be performative, but it was sort of thumbing, you know, thumbing its nose at performative, you know, femininity. That, that's why it sits yeah. off with me. And that, that said, the optics of it, just watching her dance, I think is really beautiful mm-hmm. and really neat and free. And it's not really sensual dancing. It's not sexual in a way that we tend to see young women presented mm-hmm. it feels very authentic to like yeah how a girl just sort of swings around and I think, and yeah and i think what i like about it is that it instead of it being it brought it brought the brothers together rather than like mm-hmm. the babysitter and one of them like oh then i had this secret thing with the babysitter you know what i mean like yeah. it was like a moment of them being like who are we who are we together yeah i don't know i i I like it, but yeah, and I'm not. Sure. I don't actively um, dislike it. It's just. Do you want? I th- I can't remember. I brought it up if we had talked about the f- David Lynch and David Fincher. Okay. Because <laughs> yeah, so Emily Fincher, David Lynch, David Fincher's sister, is the the dancer Louise Louise Dombrowski. Is that her? Uh, yeah, I think so. Yeah, Louise um, Dombrowski. But it, yeah, so. I don't remember exactly how this started, but I, you've told this many times, and I love it. And I, I, I might continue. have told it on this podcast, but if if not, it's not a long story. Um, up until about twenty, whenever they announced, when did they announce Twin Peaks season three? Uh, I think twenty fourteen. Fourteen, and then and then there was this. It was supposed to be in twenty fifteen, like, and then they, and then it stalled out for a long yeah. time, and then we brought it back, and then. So tw- somewhere around 2014 or 15. Yeah, 2014 I was working uh, for this this company doing copywriting stuff and I worked with a bunch of people around my age. I was in my late 20s at the time. And somebody said something about like, "Oh my god, did you hear Twin Peaks is coming back?" <laughs> back. And someone's like, "What's Twin Peaks?" And I was like, "Oh, like, you know, um you know the director and he did like 7 and he did like um um Fight Club. Fight Club. He's that guy, and he, in the 90s, did this, like, crazy show, and my buddy Eric looked at me, he's like, what are you talking about? (laughs) No, he didn't. (laughs) And I was like, what? And I realized, up until that exact moment in my life, I thought David Lynch and David Fincher were the same person, which... For people to mix up, that's not yeah. oh, the yeah. worst. I want to see a David Lyncher <laughs> yeah, right? movie that is just a collaboration effort between David Finch 
it genuinely was just one of those moments of like, yeah. huh, I wonder how many people I've embarrassed myself in front of. Also, <laughs> I wonder how many people have thought the same thing. Yeah. Like, they're very similar names. They're similar names. They have similar aesthetics. They're, yeah, just they make dark yeah, dark body of work. Yeah. Like, Oh, my God. I had a dream about Lost Highway. Mickey showed me a scene from Lost Highway because it scared him, and I had a dream about it last night. Dang. You're messing me up. Yeah. Um, do. Okay, so that's... <laughs> thanks. Uh, all right, that's the end of that scene. Um, we go to the station house where Lucy returns with her sister Gwen. Do you know who the actress is who plays Gwen? I had is... seen her before in things. I think she was primarily a soap act. I meant to look it up. I don't remember. I don't know. But she, whatever she is, she is the perfect casting for such good casting for Lucy's sister she's perfect absolutely perfect Kathleen Wilhoit 12 out of 10 casting for Lucy's sister like it helps that they do their hair exactly the same oh yeah she's in Roadhouse (laughs) oh boy I haven't seen that movie in a grip yeah she looks like she did a lot of like TV work Cagney and Lacey and the Jeffersons and Family Ties Mm. Stuff like that. Um, so anyway, Lucy and her sister enter the station. Gwen, uh, her sister, is carrying a baby, like an infant baby. Is this when... Um, it doesn't say in here. Is this when uh, Andy sees them? Or is no, that not right? yet. Okay. This is just establishing that her sister's coming in with a baby because okay. she just had a baby. Um, so we are back in the Great Northern. Cooper is making a voice note about the one-armed man. Um, and in the background, Leland is dancing around the lobby with his golf club. And not, like any time Ray Wise is doing some minorly unhinged dancing, I am fucking there for yeah, it. It's... I love it. I love because like, he genuinely has like the style of a hoofer. Like he's an okay, like he's a decent dancer. He clearly mm-hmm. has danced before, but he just does it with like. And it's so performative and, like, loves showing off to people. But also, it's just for him. He's just, you know, using the golf just club like, like a cane. Just Dombrowski. Yeah. <laughs> it's definitely the same. Good job. Um, so, that's, got, I mean, genuinely, everything Ray Wise does is my favorite thing. Um, yeah, and, like, I'm curious, though, like, how would, the, how would he have played this scene if... Le- the episode that happened last week happened next week. You know what I mean? Like, because the the no one else knows Maddie's dead yet. Yeah. So this could this sequence could have theoretically taken place before Maddie was killed. Sure. Except that you know maybe he's riding the high of murdering someone, and so that he's I think that's... extra excited. Or but like the way he snaps back and forth, mm. and he's like sweaty, so eerie. Like His face, yeah. Just the, um, the looks that he does and oh so creepy. Um Harry uh grabs Leland and tells him that they've arrested Ben. Uh Leland kinda walks to the windows with his back to the to the guys and he starts to do like a sobbing cry that's he's, intermittently laughing. I don't think he's even crying. I think he's just laughing until he can feel somebody is watching him and then he plays it off yeah. like he's crying. And, and I think, like, this is interesting. I, I'll talk about this a little bit later, too. But in this sequence, Cooper seems to sense something. Mm-hmm. Like, there, Truman leaves, and Cooper stops and turns around and says, like, I feel like I should go 
look at him, and I don't know why. Right. Yet later, when he sees him outside, it's like, do you want to see my golf clubs? He's like, sure. Like, no, like, at that point, seemingly, Leland is ready to kill him, and he doesn't pick up on anything then? Right. I think that's a weird contrast, but we'll get there, I guess, a little bit later, but... So that's happening, and then Cooper asks him to let him know if he remembers anything unusual about Ben's behavior the night of Laura's death. Mm-hmm. Um, and then as soon as Harry and Cooper are out of sight, he starts dancing again. Mm-hmm. Love it. Love it. Um, and like a very cool, like, using the golf club like a cane. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, it's dope as hell. I yeah. love it. Um, okay, we're back at the station house where Doc Haywood <laughs> prepares to administer a blood test to Ben and Jerry protests Ben's treatment. I'm obsessed with the fact that he, like, pokes his finger to get a blood sample, and Ben is like, ah! Like, he's so yep. fucking dramatic about yep. it. This won't hurt a bit. Sheriff, I protest this brutal treatment of my client. After all this man has done for this town... Now hold still. Ow! <laughs> the whole scene is It's so good. Oh, it's great. Jerry's great in this scene. It's like everybody acting their ass off. Mm-hmm. It, it really is. But in but a way they... that never never topples over the uh-huh. edge. It's yeah, exactly it's, right. It's perfect. Um, <laughs> and Jerry does this line of like, never in all my years of, of <laughs> lawyering. Practicing law. Yeah. I don't think you would have said lawyering even him. Um, I've never seen anybody treated so poorly. <laughs> Cooper immediately recites off that, like, oh, you mean your law degree that you were last in your class failed to bar twice? Yeah, you're like disbarred disbarred in in Illinois. Yeah. Never in all my years of practicing law have I witnessed such a a complete and utter disregard for an accused man's constitutional rights. Jeremy Horn, Gonzaga University, 1974. Graduated last in his class of 142. Passed the bar on his third attempt. License to practice revoked in the states of Illinois, Florida, Alaska, Massachusetts. Hey, I'm not on trial here. Yeah. Which, oh, it's very, very good. He's he's um, appropriately ashamed. Um, he shows Laura's secret diary to Ben, uh, specifically. I, the, like, he throws it on the table. Do you know what this is? <laughs> and then the best is Jerry really quickly looks into Ben's ear and goes, it's a book. <laughs> like, don't say the wrong thing. That's a book. I've seen those before. And and then, and like, as soon as Jerry says it, Ben Horn's like, a book? Huh? Like, it's, it's fantastic. Fucking it's just a great, it. like, Got yeah. it in one. <laughs> Not guilty, because I know that's a book. Mr. Horn, you know what this is? A book. Take a closer look. A diary. We all know about one-eyed jacks. So did Laura. Someday I'm going to tell the world all about Ben Horn. I'm going to tell them who he really is. She never got the chance, did she? Come on, Ben. We're all adults here. Wild, young girl like Laura Palmer. Things spin out of control. 
she becomes a threat, not just to you, but to your business, your family. You are way out of line. Well, maybe you don't have anything to hide. It's not what it says in here. You cannot ben. talk to me like this. Ben. You cannot, you understand? Nice and easy. Uh, gentlemen, I'd like a moment uh, alone with my brother, with my client. Um, uh, Cooper shows specifically the page where, um, where she says that, where Laura says that she'll expose Ben. Um, Ben tells Cooper he's way out of line. Um, Ben and Jerry talk privately, and Jerry (laughs) recommends that he get a better lawyer, which is a wonderful delivery. He also drops the whole bit about, like, yeah, in your blood could have Laura's fingerprints all over it. Fuck, is that good? I which, forgot where that came up. It's, it's so It's such funny. a great, like... Your blood yeah. could have Laura's fingerprints As your brother, it, your, your attorney... Yeah. the funniest misunderstanding of forensics it, I've ever heard. Ben, if you're going to blurt out a confession like that, it's going to make our options shrink down to a tiny little no. All right, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? Your alibi has been roasted. They can establish motive... And your blood may have Laura's fingerprints on it. Yeah. I like it so much. It made me laugh very as, loud. As your brother and your attorney, I strongly suggest you get a better lawyer. It's so good. <laughs> um, all right. and, and it's the, the only moment when, like, like, it feels like that moment of, like, rich assholes who crime all the time. Who crime? Yeah, who do you crime all the time. <laughs> They're all in government right now. Yeah. Um, but those rich assholes who crime all the time <laughs> finally, like, get that point where, like, oh, shit, this one might stick. Yeah. Like, uh, we dance around these things all yeah, the yeah. time just by threatening people. Right. Oh, shit, this one might stick. Like, you need to get, like, a real lawyer. Yeah. Like, the this moment the of realization of, like, oh, fuck. Like, <laughs> I, I thought I was, like talking shit about like oh well you've got to you've got to release him or charge him yeah i know the law yeah all the and then as soon as they like have evidence it's like oh fuck. oh no <laughs> like, i didn't realize you it, had something yeah it's it's delightful oh we cut back to uh shelly and leo's house uh where bobby wearing um a bandana over his head which normally i think is very dumb looking Bobby does pull it off, or I just think he's very handsome. <laughs> he is. Dana Ashbrook is a very handsome man. Um, but also, he's got like that long, shaggy hair, yeah. and it like makes sense for him to. Yeah, it does. Pull his hair back. You know what I mean? Uh huh. Um, so he listens to the tape found in Leo's boot and manages to record from oh, a tape, like a mini tape, mini recorder into a microphone that's mm-hmm. then recording into a. Th- and. All of it sounds... Clear as a bell. Clear as a bell. Yeah. Perfect. So good. Like, yeah. Um, and he can... I love I love those things because people can, like, rewind and stop tapes at the exact exactly time. where they want them to. <laughs> I always love that. Um, so he hears evidence of Ben's deal with Leo to set fire to the mill. Um, I don't remember... Did we know Leo the, was recording that conversation at the time? Was it I, established? I don't know that we knew it at the time. But this is the tape he found in Leo's boot. Right, right, right. Yeah, so that I Leo, know. Leo had it. Leo had it and, as leverage, and was, probably. Yeah, as some form of leverage if he needed it down the road. Sure. But I don't recall knowing he had it at the time. Okay. Um, 
So here's evidence of Ben's deal with Leo to set fire to the mill. He makes a copy of the tape to take to Ben. Um, Leo breaks something, and Bobby tells Shelly he has business ambitions. So Shelly walks in. You hear, like, he did it again. She walks in, and it looks like she's been, like, feeding a toddler. Just, like, food all over her face. Still looks gorgeous. (laughs) They really can't shut that off, huh? Um, And then Bobby, like, licks the food off of her. Ew, yeah. Which is gross because theoretically it oh. came spewing out of Leo's yeah. mouth. Oh my god, that almost made me gag. <laughs> I wish you had. Yeah, it's pretty gross. They like try to make it all sexy, but like no, really, it's, it's not. It's pretty, pretty fucking gross. Ew. Um. Okay, so we cut back to the Double R Diner, uh-huh. and we meet Laura- Norma's mother, Vivian. <sighs> oh, I'm sorry. What? <laughs> <laughs> um, I didn't hate the revelation of this. I do love a mean mother in a show. Norma's mother, Vivian, uh, visits her at the diner and eats a bite off Toad's plate. Who's Toad? Toad's the guy who's just always in the diner. Okay. He's the one they, like, shipped off to the kitchen when the DA was there and they uh, thought it was yeah, the yeah. food critic. Was like, he allowed he- to put ketchup on his mashed potatoes? Maybe. Because she said something about before you... you get- oh, and she also shames her daughter, like, immediately. Like, the these flakes? Real- yeah. <laughs> these real mashed potatoes yeah. or are they flakes? Which, I'm sorry, flaked mashed potatoes are very good. I mean, they're acceptable. Remember those that we had that had, like, so little flavor, they, like, sucked the flavor out of the other foods yeah, we were eating? <laughs> it's like a black hole of flavor. Um, she introduces Norma to her new husband, Ernie Niles, who leaves her a betting tip when they leave the, for the Great Northern Hotel. Oh, I didn't realize that was from Ernie. It was Ernie's paper. He was seemingly on the phone with a bookie. Oh, okay. Um, I they say he leaves her a betting tip. I don't. He just leaves it. I think he left the paper and that piece fell out. I think that's the bet he was placing on the phone when right. he was off making a phone call. Right. I don't think he's like, here you go, Norma. <laughs> you know, I, I don't think. Uh, yeah, I don't think. And what it, it's, it's does, established yeah. it just oh, establishes that he's shady. Yeah. Um. Pete visits Harry at the office um, while Harry watches a woodpecker through his binoculars, which is... Which was obviously not stock footage. No, no, no. It was full on (laughs) HD. You could really tell. Um, Pete tells Harry that Josie is gone and that Pete loved her, which we mean romantically. He means romantically, right? Like he was in love with her or he loved her like a sister. I I couldn't really really get the vibe. a weird, genuine love uh-huh. that's not like I don't think it's sexualized. Okay, but I don't. I think it's transcendent of like a friend or a sure. sibling. Like sure. I think it's just this is just a, someone I, I I genuinely admire and appreciate. Sure, and all that stuff. Um. Harry says that Harry says that he also loved her, and then he tells Pete about. Uh, he says he was there when she left. That her assistant um, was helping her pack up, and he was like, "There was like a confusion, like oh, her assistant." And he Pete thinks that it's Jonathan who had, who's introduced to Pete as Josie's cousin. So it's like this mysterious guy who mm. his identity changes based on who they're talking about. Um, Cooper reports that Gerard is missing and that he had not... Did we skip over the scene where Gerard escapes? Yeah, apparently. 
Yeah, Gerard escapes. He sends... Which is a delightful little... Like, the woman who's just sitting there keeping an eye on him, Mm -hmm. like, knitting, Uh is awesome. And he asks her for tea or water or something, and he just hightails it out of there. Well, he, like... There's a. They also establish that there's a guard outside the door. Right. He goes in to check on him because she left. Right. And he gets clocked over the head. Right. And then he escapes. Right. Which seemed unnecessary. It seemed like he could have just gone out the just window. Just gone out the window. <laughs> but um, anyway. Cooper reports that Gerard is missing and had knocked the deputy out. Andy enters to find Lucy watering the plants and carrying a baby, and he faints. <laughs> so we discuss what we what we think happen i think it's very clear that he somehow thought this baby I, gestated I and agree. was born in a week and a half or whatever not even yeah um but also like there's the it could be in a more like realistic sense of andy has some intelligence like he imagined oh my god and and this is my future this here. is my future this she's gonna have a baby it's potentially my baby mm-hmm. all this stuff it could have been that too and that overwhelmed him Whatever it is, I think he le- legitimately like. I think it just it threw him off. He sure. wasn't expecting to see Lucy with a baby, right? And then also she had a baby, and then he didn't know if it was her baby, yeah. And uh, and then yeah. just passed out, yeah. Um, Pete then visits Ben in Ben's cell, and he plays a tape of Catherine's voice. She says she'll testify on his behalf in exchange for his signing over the Ghostwood Estates. Ben throws around the furniture in his cell. This, it's, I liked this scene. Yeah, I, 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 I mean, you know I like anytime Catherine's in the scene. Well, and she's not. not right. And not in yellow face. I mean, her voices. I just yeah. like her performance. Um, but I love, like, Jack Nance gets to do some acting work. Mm-hmm. I love that shot where, like, Pete just starts walking down the bars. Uh-huh. And you see Ben is still gripping the bars and going one at a time. Uh-huh across the thing while it slowly tracks across and then he rounds the corner uh-huh. i i love it and Very it's good. just they've got ben who is this dominant figure for so long even in the beginning of the last episode when he's storming down the hallway with these big broad shoulders yeah. it's this really low angle shot of like this man is the man and mm-hmm. you're just watching him just like struggle a fish on a hook mm-hmm. like Desperate for any sense of like authority and like control of mm. anything, and yeah. it's fascinating. Yeah. I love, I love that imagery. And then Pete's just like giggling about it. <laughs> yeah, Pete. So we come back to um, Cooper and Harry are driving around. We see Leland driving his convertible. He is singing and swerving all over the road. <laughs> yeah, like dramatically. So dramatically. Um, so Cooper and Harry pull him over. Um, and I did, and again, just because, like, it's 2020 and we're dealing with, like, the realities of the police. But the way he was, like, driving and swerving like a madman. And then they pull him over and they're like, Leland. And he's like, sorry, guys. Like, this sort of, like, privilege of he was driving utterly recklessly. And they're like, classic Leland. He's such a kook. Yeah. Um, I must have forgot. I thought I must have been thinking about Ben, and I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Leland says that he. Um, Leland says that he remembers that he and Ben were working late the night Laura died, and that Ben stepped out of the room to have an angry phone conversation about a dairy. Oh, brother! I, I know they had to stretch to kind of get, like they didn't want him to say. I, I think she was talking about a diary. Yeah. But like, 
That's a that dairy and diary is a word you would maybe mix up or misconstrue if you saw it written. That's exactly. I, I but think. spoken aloud, no. It's like you know, chief and chef. Yeah, they're different words, but like if you read them really quickly, you could mix them up. Right. I I I, I don't see any scenario like. So he, I mean, to me, it seems like a good gag that worked in the writer's room but, because it looks yeah. similar. But but so also, you, so you say that is it part. him? Is it Leland wanting to try to give them the diary clue without saying diary? Like he knows why well, can't just say this? Oh, diary. Maybe that's yeah. Like, it all, is very. I know it's it's, it's very performative. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I did remember something, as you asked about the night Laura died. I was working late at the office with Ben. It was about 10 o'clock. He left the room to make a phone call. I don't know who he was talking to, but his voice was raised. He was angry. I heard him mention something about a dairy. A dairy? That's what I think, yes. A diary. That, that could be. Do you play golf, Agent Cooper? Uh, yes, Dylan, I enjoy its precision. I'd like to invite you for a round at the club someday. May I show you my new clubs? Um, but I, also, we we skipped over the line I love where he's like, do you like golf, Mr. Cooper, or Agent Cooper, or whatever? And he's like, I enjoy its precision. <laughs> like, I love, like, that's the most, like, the dumbest answer you could give. Yeah. And it's very given. earnest and very Agent Cooper, and I love it. Yeah. Um, and exactly how he would feel about golf. Yeah, exactly. I, I enjoy it fine because I appreciate its precision. Like, it's so good. Uh, Cooper surmises that uh, Ben must have been talking about a diary, not a dairy. Um, Harry enters Lucy, excuse me, Harry answers Lucy on the police radio. Um, so so what's happened is they're all standing outside Leland's car. Mm-hmm. The cruiser, the the police mobile <laughs> yeah the police mobile <laughs> is weirdly in front of them usually they park behind so harry walks back to the truck mobile and meanwhile leland is kind of luring cooper to the trunk of his own car right and, and he's and truman's back at the police truck mobile yeah um <laughs> and uh he's like oh do you like golf or leland's precision I had to show you these new golf ball, the new golf clubs I got. They're so amazing, and so he's he walks over. So we know as the viewer that he has a golf bag in his trunk that is stuffed with his niece's dead body that he who he brutally murdered the evening before. Yeah, and so the te- like the, I remember the first time I I saw this, the yeah. tension was palpable of like. What the fuck? Well, like, it, I thought he was about to pop off. Like, yeah, and now you have a new. I so the driving element of this show in its entirety from the start till last week's episode is police mobiles. Is police truck mobiles, <laughs> um, and who killed Laura Palmer? Okay. Now all of a sudden we know, mm-hmm. but they don't. It's called dramatic irony, right? So now there's this whole. How long are they going to drag this out? Yeah. Because they dragged this way longer than everyone thought they were going to. Mm-hmm. Are they going to do that again? Yeah. And now, like, 
Or is it going to be boom? We found out now. They found out now. Yeah. Everything is going to hit the fan now. Yeah. We have no idea. And so it's it's like it's like when you get like your protagonist in a movie you know 25 minutes into the movie gets into this dramatic situation there's a gun to their head or whatever and you're like they're not gonna fucking kill him you know this person's gonna be in the next hour and a half like i don't feel the tension but at this moment yeah yeah anything could happen we just saw a major character get killed off yeah anything can happen and especially since it was like i could see like the way you know we talked about how Frost and Lynch didn't really want to reveal the killer. They wanted to drag this out for as long as possible, all this stuff. And then they were kind of forced to do it. So then they did it. They released who killed her. And it's very easy. They could have been like, fuck this. I don't care. Let's blow this whole fucking thing up. Let's kill Cooper. I don't give a fuck. Let's kill Truman. I don't care. They could have. Nobody's safe. They could have been like just that spiteful that they had to solve the murder that they could have been doing. Well, and yeah, and I think And I would have bought it. I think that also is a thing that... We've talked about how you prefer movies over TV. Um, And I think the thing that's interesting in shows we've watched, we watched Walking Dead together and Lost, the cool element of those shows was anybody can fucking die at any moment. Nobody is safe until you got to a point where... They Everybody had their core safe. group, and yeah. they could. They would just like introduce somebody, and you're like, "Oh, there's oh, a red yeah. shirt. Like he's gonna die." Exactly. Um, but and I think this gives a. This is probably one of the early iterations of that. Of mm-hmm. like, well, Maddie just fucking died. I thought she was gonna be hanging around. Mm-hmm. Like, who knows? Like, it's called Twin Peaks. It's not called Cooper. It's yeah. Not called Cooper Duper, which would have <laughs> been a great name for Twin Peaks. You know, like anybody is fair game. Um, and we're gonna continue to lose some some uh major characters or at least one as cooper is walking toward his trunk and leland pulls out the same apparently only has the one wedge or whatever or the one well, it's iron like the one that fits in there fits in there on top of the body right um and so i love 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 this scene so he pulls it out of the trunk and as he does cooper turns around to harry and so you see, in the way Leland picks up the club, it's like, oh, he's about to bash him across the mm-hmm. head, which is cool. And my favorite part is that I, I would think in any other movie, in any other TV show, he's holding it up. Cooper turns around. He, like, you know, snaps it behind his back. Like, oh, what? I wasn't doing anything. He just stands there holding it like, yeah. here's, here's my club. It's just up here. Which, when you, when, when it's a threatening it's moment. It's a moment of, like, is is Leland fighting Bob? Is Bob trying to kill Cooper and Leland is is fighting him? I don't like, even know that Leland's fighting him. I just don't think he got like the opportune moment. Also like And Harry was right there. Why why does Bob want to kill Cooper? Cuz he likes killing. Didn't you say he gets like replenished or whatever when he murders? Maybe. I mean, but it's like, like Jennifer's body. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Um, That's a movie, yeah. not just our friend Jennifer, who has a corporeal form. <laughs> but it's just one of those that, like, yeah, I don't know. It's interesting. Yeah. Uh, but he does that, like, half turn around, like, got to show me those clubs another time. Yeah. Womp womp. And, like, the most Cooper yeah. delivery. Because because Truman tells him they found one or Right. Right. That's, yes. that's what Lucy was telling him on the radio. Um, but, yeah, it's it's a... 
I like I like scenes like this that are like it's intense. It's there's ten you know like there's tension and drama, and it's like in bright sunlight on the side of the road. Mm-hmm. There's people playing golf five right feet away behind, from it. Yeah, like, the fence. all of it mm-hmm. is is delightful. I love that juxtaposition. Yeah. That feels vi- like for an episode that wasn't David Lynch. That mm-hmm. feels very Lynchy. Yeah, and I. I do like this this new Wheel and Bob thing where it used to be even through this episode it was very like Bob knew how to whether it's Leland or Bob or whoever knew how to keep Bob under wraps and only came out when you know he was attacking one person and wasn't in public mm-hmm. and now all of a sudden it seems to me that he's losing control of well there's a guy here and I've got a club like why fucking not yeah um so the um, oh, so Leland gets back in his car, adjusts his rearview mirror, and Bob smiles. Bobby, back. <laughs> how you doing, buddy? Oh God! Uh, Gwen tells Andy about. <laughs> so we we go back to. The, <laughs> I just liked this so much. I really like Gwen. Oh, did we miss the scene with Gwen and Hawk? Oh, they must have not mentioned it. That's that's in the very first introduction of her character, yeah. Because they mention it her in like her biography on this fandom thing. So she's so so Lucy. So we've got Gwen and Lucy, and Gwen is like Lucy two point version. Mm-hmm. Um, and she she sees Hawk, Gwen sees Hawk and is like, "You must be that Native American fella she's been telling me so much about. What's your name? What he's an eagle eye, <laughs> something like that." Yeah, and he goes. Hawk. And she's like, oh, and w- genuinely, maybe one of my favorite lines in all of Twin Peaks is just the delivery of this like airheaded woman of like, you must just hate white people after all we've done to you. And Hawk just like, oh, some of my best friends are white. You must be that native person I've heard so much about. Um, eagle eye. Hawk. Sister. Oh yeah, this is my sister Gwen. This is Hawk. <gasps> It's a pleasure to meet you. God, how you must hate us white people after all we've done to you. Some of my best friends are white people. It, it that feels like something that would be in a show in 2020 of yeah, like somebody earnestly being like, like that's. I think part of why Twin Peaks holds up so much is that, like, you're rewatching Thirty Rock again for yes. the hundredth time or whatever. Okay. Um, but. There's several episodes in there that you're like, or moments or bits or whatever. There's a lot of shows that like, and 30 Rock is six, eight years old, whatever. I mean, more than, yeah. Little, whatever. I mean, it started in 07. Sure. So, yeah, whatever. But relatively recent, and there's already stuff that's like, oh, fuck. Yeah, as just Twin Peaks was like, there's things like that that are like, we're we know we're acknowledging certain things that like you don't you don't need to acknowledge in this time mm-hmm. but we're going to and we're not making a statement about it yeah we're not being progressive mm-hmm. but we're acknowledging the fact that like yeah we've got like a magic indian right whatever yeah. you know that trope well and it also sends up the the earnest white person who is yeah. like oh my goodness you're and so as brave. dumb as her character is she's not wrong she's yeah at least like courteous yeah and kind of the same thing I about mean, lucy who's dim-witted but like the sweetest right and i think what gwen said is like 
inappropriate to a stranger that you've never met. Exactly. But, like, the sentiment isn't incorrect. Yeah, like, and then and then Hawk's delivery of, like, some of my best friends are white is so, like... Hawk is such a good one. I don't know what to say to yeah. that. <laughs> like, or I thought, like, the way he... And maybe those just... The, the line reading that, that Michael Horace had, but it... But it also feels like a little bit, yeah, I forgive you. Or oh, like, it seemed it, to me that, like, he said, somebody has said this to him before, and he oh, has yeah. that answer locked and loaded, because sure. he's like... <laughs> That's fair, too. Yeah, I'd buy that. Um, so, okay. Back to reality. Whoop. There goes gravity. gravity. Okay. Gwen... <laughs> Gwen tells Andy about her history with fainting while he tries to tell Lucy about his new sperm test. This is sperm test. He definitely says sperms test, which makes me <laughs> laugh every time. Um, That's all men think about. <laughs> I. It's a great scene. Gwen is such an outstanding... Is she just in this episode 12? Uh, oh, she's mentioned 12. Yeah, this is the only episode that she's in. Is she, according I was going to gonna say, she might be in like one more, but... She feels like such a like 2020 character to me the way she's like yeah i look i had this baby and i looked down and i'm like oh great last thing this world needs another man like oh all men think about is their sperm sperm gun (laughs) it's just like that's how i feel on the inside all the time last thing we need is more men i want to talk to you about my sperms sperms (laughs) you know that is all men think about you know, I remember when little Carl was first born and they laid him out on my breast and I looked down and saw what kind of a tiny little creature I was dealing with and I thought to myself, I thought, my God, just what the world needs, another sperm gun running around loose, right? Women beware. <laughs> like just the way she says the about her own son. It's so funny to me. And, like, with no trace of irony. Like, it's not yeah. a bitch she's doing. Uh, it's just, like, uh, I guess it's a boy. Fuck. And I love uh. I love the idea, too, that she's, like, projecting this, like, men are the worst vibe on, like, Andy. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, of course that's what Andy's thinking about is his sperms. Yeah. Whereas, like, he, Andy's just has no idea no. the man cries at everything like Sweet he's boy. like the least like tough guy like masculine like toxic masculine yeah, exactly. guy in the world yeah and she's like oh this guy <laughs> like, oh boy oh boy oh boy um <laughs> um lucy does not so andy explains i do have it's just got like sperms. an ice pack on his head the whole time. I like his forehead. Yeah, <laughs> like, like, fat, like it's so dumb, but I love it. It's just silly. So he's trying to explain to Lucy that like he is fertile, even though I thought he was infertile. Um, but Lucy won't or can't confirm that Andy is the father. Um, back to the oh no, we're still in the uh, the station house. The officers have Gerard in the same room as Ben. And he says that Ben... So Gerard says that Ben is not Bob. So he does this whole thing about, like, Bob isn't close. He's not here. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Jerry insists... And he's got a great, like, his eyes are darting around. This and performance like, that he gives us... What's the actor's name? Al Strobel. His performance is so fucking good. Like, it's... There are a few performances from, like, non main characters that are just outstanding. He's, he's and so... and all of them are, the, when you say non-main characters, they're like 
all of the Lynch crew that like other people failed to use for reasons I don't understand. Like, I mean, use him more. Yeah. Use the Log Lady more. Use Sarah Palmer more. All of them. Yeah. All these great performances. Yeah. Like, also, did you talk to him at all in 2018 when we were at the fest? I did not. I Talked did not. Briefly. And he was just, well, I, like, he's so excited by all this. Oh, my God. Like, when we were I, all there, he's like, I don't understand why you guys are so, like, it's I, it's it's so nice to see somebody that, like, yeah. humble. I have a really specific memory from, so one of the last days, they have, like, this picnic that mm. it's all of the guests and all of, a lot of the actors come, producers, what do they call them, celebrities? Is that their catch-all word? Yeah, whatever. The, um, yeah. And there was a moment that I looked over, and he... And I'm sure I'm conflating this, but this is how I remember it. I just remember him sitting on a picnic table, or mm-hmm. listen, and people... I in my, in my head, it's them sitting, like, cross-legged around him while he tells stories. That mm-hmm. might not have been... Was that what it was? I mean, basically. It, it, it was just this he, earnestness from everybody. Uh, it, it wasn't wasn't lip service. It wasn't, oh, I want to get my picture with this yeah. guy because he's the guy. It was this genuine affection I for this it was person. Like Ulali State Park or something, whatever, the place oh, that wherever remember. we're at. Where they filmed uh, a lot of Yeah, they filmed three. a lot of season three there. Um, there was, I think... Four picnic tables, like mm. two together and then two together parallel. And he propped up on one spot and all of the day's events just went on around him. Mm-hmm. And he didn't move and people just kept coming up and saying hi. And then someone else would come yeah. up and then he would tell some stories. And then a bunch of people have great photos. I've got one of everybody him took and- fo- all of the celebrities piled in around them on the table. Isn't there a really good picture uh, from that day of the giant and Michael Horse and... Um, yeah, there's, I think, three people. The guy who it. played, fuck what was it's his name? It's Michael Horse, Carl... Is it Michael... Yeah, I think it's just the three of them. I think it's Al Strobel, Michael Horse, and Is it, Carl I thought Stryker. it was um, Christian or Chris... Well, what's the... He played the little person. He is a little person. I remember... Oh, no, because this is this was a recent photo and he... Michael J. Anderson died. I think no. Oh, oh, Christoph, you're talking yes, about Christoph. Christoph. Oh no, and Michael Jackson is still alive. He just wasn't brought back for season three. Maybe I think. I don't know who Michael J. Oh, he's he's Michael Jackson is dancing dwarf. still alive. He is still alive. I there think was I heard something that he had like sketchy a, happening. He had a falling out with David Lynch. Is that is what, what it I was? Remember. Okay. I don't know why. I um, but he wasn't brought back. But yes, you're talking about Christoph. I'm talking about Christoph. Uh, yes, of course. Christoph Zajac Danik, who's. In season three, and another little person. I, I remember there being a picture yeah. of the giant and yeah. him and horror. I, I don't know if that's again. I Those, I just listened to a podcast about how memories are really fallible, so I don't trust anything. You're, no, I know the I know the photo you're talking. I don't remember who took it, but Al Strobel's not in that photo. Right. It's Michael Horse and the giant and the giant. That's and really weird. I don't know the giant's name. Uh, Carol. I don't know if it's Carl or Carol. C A R E L. Straken or something like that. Yeah, what's he Swedish? I don't recall. Doesn't matter. I mean, uh, it matters, but not for this. Yeah. Um. Anyway, so Jerry insists. So back to this confrontation with with Gerard. Um, Gerard says that Ben is not Bob. Jerry insists that um, that they either charge Ben or let him go. And so the sheriff charges him with murder, which I. Oh man, I I, I like this emphatically to like pushes Cooper out of the way to step up into frame. Yeah, 
you're being arrested for the murder of Laura Palmer. And, and like, Ben Horn has this look of, like, of course I fucking am because my brother's a fucking idiot. Uh, Cooper pulls Harry aside and tells them that he does not believe Ben killed Laura. Um, I love this moment. This is all I have in this summary. This exchange between Cooper and Truman and... Cooper's like, I don't I don't know. I don't think he did Oh, when he said, oh, I'm sick of the dreams. And, I'm sick and of... And Truman's like, you know what? Like, first, first, first of all, respect. Mm-hmm. I've backed you every step of the way with all this shit. But I've had enough of the dreams and the visions and the giants and the dwarfs. And right now, none of that matters because we have hard evidence on this guy. And it's my job to bring him in. Right. And Cooper takes a step back. Yep, sometimes an outsider can miss those things. Mm -hmm. You're right. Mm -hmm. It's not my place to tell you that. I think we're saddling the horse before we're ready to ride. I don't follow. I don't think Ben Horn killed Laura Palmer. What? We should release him. Cooper, I've backed you every step of the way, but I've had enough of the mumbo-jumbo. I've had enough of the dreams, the visions, the dwarfs, the giants, Tibet, and the rest of the hocus-pocus. No, we got hard evidence against Ben Horn. It's my job to lock him up. You're right, Harry. This is your backyard. Sometimes an outsider can forget that. And there's just the respect Mm -hmm. between the two is fantastic. And it's like, I appreciate all of your, you know, crazy ways of doing things and, you know, your unorthodox... But at some point, we have to... Yeah, we've got hard evidence now yeah, on a very potential sub, uh, uh, su- uh, suspect. A very potential suspect. Yes, very <laughs> potentially. Very potentially, he potentially did this. Suspect, <laughs> I suspect. Um, no, he. but like they have legitimate evidence. Right. I'm sorry, I have to. Right. And it's a, just a great little exchange. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and I think it grounds the whole show. Yeah. And yeah. like, yes, this show is ethereal and nonsensical in a lot of ways and, and very dreamlike. But it, it, but Harry is the, and what the root. I love He's grounded. About it, and I love about it in this show is that like most shows will set up, okay, in this world magic stuff can happen. It's Harry Potter, Lord of the Rings, or whatever. Mm-hmm. Or... No, this is shows based on forensic science and whatever. Mm-hmm. And then there's this, which is like, we see that weird shit is happening, but they're living in our world, which doesn't have supernatural stuff, so no one knows how to deal with it. So that's called magical realism, and, and it's I love a, it. yeah, it's a great, it's it's. But it's, and, uh, yeah, there's other things too, but they do it well mm-hmm. in Twin Peaks. Yeah, like the idea is like you're grounded in a real world and then you layer on top these these elements. And sometimes everybody's on board with these elements and sometimes right. it's just a couple But people. like and it makes me it it feels like you know, detective work from 500 years ago where like we didn't know how to explain shit, so oh, yeah. it was gods and right. whatever. Like that's what this feels like. Right. Um, so we cut to, are they in the Great Northern? I don't know where they're having dinner, but Norma, Hank, Vivian, and Ernie. Yeah, so this is Norma and her husband, her deadbeat jailbird husband. Ernie Niles. Ernie and Vivian. Vivian's Norma's mom, and Ernie is her new husband. Uh, Norma and Vivian leave for the restrooms, and Hank and Ernie, co- sorry, our dog just startled herself awake. 
Yeah, they they have dinner, which um, also setting the stage a little bit. Like everyone's eating this like fancy salmon dinner. They have a nice glass of white wine. Mm-hmm. Hank has a fucking napkin stuffed in his shirt. He's eating ribs and he's got a stein of beer. Yeah. Like, just... And the introduction to the scene is Vivian being like, the salmon is very fresh, if not a touch overcooked. Like, just very, like, up her own ass. Yeah. Um, so, so Norma and Vivian head to the restroom. Hank and Ernie start talking realize, and we realize we the, the viewer realized that they had met previously in prison and have not so we think nobody knows that Ernie was in jail correct okay except Hank except Hank obviously um Ernie says oh I don't remember this Ernie says he met Vivian at a Republican fundraiser mm-hmm. <laughs> I missed that part that's very funny for me um and that she wants him to handle all of her investments uh, Ernie says he's clean now and that Vivian does not know his history. And they're married. I think that's so fucked up. Like, yeah, I'm just going to go ahead and, you know, I'm 50 years old. I'm not going to tell you anything about my past. Let's get married. I love you. Um, the thing is, it sounds more like she's using him for. Well, they're both trash people. They can yeah, have each other. Exactly. There's no victim here. They're both monsters um hank asks to meet ernie later the women come back and hank toasts the success of the newlyweds um and then slams the rest of his beer yeah man that's otherwise the cheers doesn't work he's also got that dumb domino like bolo oh, he's got tie. A bolo tie yeah uh, yeah yeah we got it you like dominoes yeah but like what a weird character trait that has nothing to do with anything. It really doesn't pay off. It never plays. Because I like I have such a visceral visceral memory of the first time we see Hank and he's like sucking on that domino it's in a way so that's creepy so and creepy and yeah. so upsetting. And so I'm like, But they never explain like why he has a domino thing. No, it's not I think it's just an affect I would say it should have just remained like an affectation. I think the fact that they put put it on the bolo tie is a little too much. It's a little too on the nose for me. But, like, sure. I would be okay if just once in a while they just show him, like, sucking on this creep. Like, it's it's a creepy affectation. Yeah. Um, okay, so we cut back to the Great Northern. We're in Cooper's room. Um, he is uh, topless with some bandaging around his tummy. Which is a great moment. It's a great, well, <laughs> I love, love seeing a topless Cooper. No, it's a great moment, though, like, reminding you that, like, although he's up and about and doing seemingly normal stuff... He still got shot a few days ago. Yeah. Like, you know. But, like, it's also a great little, like, it moves in. There's the cherry pie and the milk Mm -hmm. on his bed. He's sitting on the edge of his bed, and, like, the light coming in from the window is this, like, blue. It's, like, shining through the curtains, Mm -hmm. and it's just... It's a lovely shot. It's, it's, yeah, it's, yeah, it's very, very well lit, and the color, it's wonderful. Mm -hmm. Um, so he's making a, a voice note to uh, Diane, <laughs> Diana. <laughs> yeah. I, a friend gave me a gift of a sheet of Twin Peaks stickers, and I think they're from like Russia, and they're great. They're stunning, and most of yeah, most of them are cute little and there's pictures. yeah, and there's one of like Cooper's recorder, and it's <laughs> what is it? It's like something about it says Diana. It's just a picture of the recorder with like a. A vocal bubble yeah. popping out, but it says Diana. Which is funny. And then there's another one that just says, listen to the log. Which is, <laughs> <laughs> I don't think, a direct quote. But they're really, I have to figure out what I'm going to do with them. Um, so he says to Diane that he's close to cracking the case. Um, the door, somebody knocks on the door. He 
Mike and I disagreed if this was dumb or not. To me, what I saw happen was, okay, somebody knocked on the door. He gets up. He's suspicious. He's wary. He's been shot. So he grabs his gun Mm -hmm. and kind of holds it sort of behind him and then just swings the door open (laughs) instead of, like, cracking it. Or even asking who it is. Like, I, I'll give you, it doesn't feel like great police protocols. I'll give you thing. that he should say, who is it? <laughs> that, that'll that give you. That's 100%. Or do they have peepholes? That's a, yeah, or at least something like that. <laughs> but the way he opens the door, he opens the door where his body is still behind the door so that he could swing his right arm around the door yeah. to shoot if need be. Uh-huh. Um, but also I think he's... Even though he's been shot, he's still trusting of his environment. Oof. You know what I mean? It hasn't jaded him to the point where now he's protective. That should have, though. Um, okay. Did we even... What? Did they tell you who shot him yet? I don't remember. Uh No. Okay. Um... Like, I I know, but I... It's so dumb. (laughs) Yeah, I don't think they've talked about it That I don't even know. Honestly, like, I feel like they... Reveal it doesn't matter. Like, yeah. Yeah, oh, by the way, by the way, arugula, arugula. Um, grabs his gun, answers the knock of the door, and it is Audrey who Woo. walks right into his room. I still am always yucked out by this relationship that they have, but that's fine. It's Audrey. She asks if Ben did it. She's saying that uh, she says that her father is ashamed of her. Will you arrest him? Did he do it? It's for a court to decide. What do you think? What I think doesn't really matter right now. Did you arrest him because of what I said? Only in part. But it helped. Yeah. All I ever really wanted was for him to love me. I'm sure that he does. It's a shame to me. Uh, Cooper stops her from saying something about one-eyed jacks. Oh, because, oh, this I did not care for. When she was like, I just want you to know when I was at one-eyed jacks, I never. And he's like, shh, shh, shh. Hey, Cooper. When I was at one-eyed jacks, I never asked you to come over but I, I like the innocent moments before that where she's like, did did what I told you help? Did, yes. Like, all I've did ever wanted to do was help. And that... And, like, also the entire time, like, he's standing back and she's, like, slinking away along the wall. Yeah. Like, she's no longer trying to get him. Yeah. And she she feels embarrassed, I feel like, about the way she approached him initially and and, and it got her into trouble Mm -hmm. and she feels ashamed about that yeah and she feels like all of it is her fault right and i think that whole thing and the fact that he's still protective of her Mm -hmm. i think is a really sweet and endearing interaction yeah i just really was not crazy about like i know her because essentially she wanted to make sure cooper knew that she didn't have sex with anybody at when i jacks Sure. And like, yeah. I mean, you know how I feel. But I think I just, it's this few week span of this show, what, you know, what takes place in real life, you know, in the real life of the show is a few weeks. Um, 
Audrey becomes from 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 what she thinks is an adult to actually becoming an adult mm-hmm. and and makes that transition during this whole stretch of like she thought like ooh I can seduce this guy and I'm gonna be sure this bombshell that he loves and uh-huh. all this stuff and then realizing that like oh that's not actually adulthood right and because he was so kind in the way that he like shuts her down and all those advances and then she gets herself into trouble and all this stuff it she realizes like who she is and i it's great i i think it's yeah yeah um so as he's talking to her his phone rings he answers it and he starts to leave and immediately tells audrey to go to her room and lock the door so something's gone down no they don't say yeah i thought they did um, he just says, lock, go to your room, lock your door. She, says, she asks what? He says, just yep. do it. Um, so we go to a woodsy kind of scene where they walk down to a... Shot gorgeously. Gorgeous. Um, these are these are shots that HD... Like, I remember this in a thing, and, like, colors don't pop the same way. Mm-hmm. This looks amazing Very in, good. in HD. Um, he arrives... Realizes it's a crime scene. Uh, Sheriff Truman, with Sheriff Truman and a forensic team, pulls Maddie's body out of the water, and it's in a plastic bag. And they recognize her as as Maddie. And that's the end of that episode. Mm-hmm. So overall, I think a very good yeah, episode. Still, some, still a tremendous episode. Yeah, some great A performances it, that we found. Yeah, it really you know embraces the heart of the show well. The only, like, tangential things are, like, Ernie Niles. And even he's not that bad yet. Like, Oh, I actually... I don't remember... I When this mother walked in with his husband, I had no fucking memory of it. I have no, yeah. no memory of this character. But I was fine with it as is. It puts kind of a kink in Norma because you find out she has this very overbearing mother. Well, and now that Shelly's not working at the diner, you need to give Norma some something to do. Some connection. Yeah. Um and that uh is going to I think do it for us. Any closing thoughts? Um no. I mean this this is yet an like I think everyone always says that this show starts tanking after you find out who killed Laura Palmer, but this is I think a prime example of, and granted, it's right after, right? But this I mean, is still a tremendous episode. Yeah, it's going to be a couple days before, or a couple days, a couple episodes before, like, because yeah. they still have to deal with the fallout of that. We're still going to learn some more things about. It's it's when they start picking up new storylines that Correct. it becomes troublesome, right? Which is why I think the um, the mother and husband story works because it's sandwiched in between a bunch of other stories that like are wrapping up and then I right. care about but him and now we're going to meet But his new... character is is setting up future storylines which are kind of dumb. Right. So which... you, you start thinking about Ernie Niles as being a dumb character but right. it's because It's an interesting beginning. Of yeah. Like... yeah. Like anything. Even yeah. even so far uh, uh, the boyfriend Lucy's Dick lover? Tremaine Dick yeah Tremaine. Is, is a great character. Yeah yeah yeah. He yeah, he's interesting so far. Jumps the shark in a few episodes. But... <laughs> I'm not excited about that. Um, okay, so, oh, actually, and I'm probably not going to have time to re-record for this episode, but we have a Twitter 
uh, for our yeah. podcast. Mikey just started it yesterday. It's um, Cooper Duper Pod. Yeah, we got a, a nice, sweet little review from uh, 25 Years Later site. Yeah, that was really nice. Yeah, that was um, very kind. He actually reached out to us to see how the tech is. We're like, oh, I guess we, we should, should do, make a Twitter. do yeah. a Twitter. So also, Pal McLaughlin. Cooper Duper Pod. Oh, yeah, Pal McLaughlin. So. We've talked about how we want... We're so close to getting our Pursued by Wine sponsorship. (laughs) Pursued by Bear Wine sponsorship. (laughs) It's probably not helping that I keep saying Pursued by Wine. Um, But he... uh, When I got the the shipment in that I ordered, I like staged a cool little picture. I put it up on our our bar and had a Laura Palmer picture on there and stuff. Um, And took a picture of all the bottles that I got and put it up on Instagram a few weeks ago. And then a few days ago, Kyle McLaughlin just like re- put it up on Instagram hey, and fun. Twitter and Facebook and everything. It was like, hey, and, and and did what I love, which is like tag the fucking person. Mm-hmm. I've gotten things where like uh, Strung Out is one of my all-time favorite bands. Mm-hmm. They made a beer and I took a picture of that and put it up one day. And then I just saw it in their story on Instagram one day. And I was like, dude, fucking... All you have to do is tag. Yeah, it, it's the you. You do not have to give me money. Nothing. Like, yeah, I don't. Whatever. It's it's just your artist. You should understand that, right? Um, but yeah. So he like put this out. Um, you know, put out. The, you'll see the picture on our Cooper Duper Pod Twitter if you look that up. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was yeah, it was very very nice. It was nice to see him. Um, shout that out and. Yeah, so we're one step closer to getting a Pursued by Bear wine sponsorship. Uh, it's going to happen. And it's probably going to happen like just as we wrap up the entire show. Start it up again. <laughs> going to find something new. <laughs> um, okay, so uh, thank you for, for listening, and we will talk to you next week. Thank you for listening to Cooper Duper, a Twin Peaks podcast for regular people, hosted by Michael Greif and me, Jessica Blumke Greif. Our podcast logo is by Foraker Creative. You can follow them at Foraker Creative. Our theme music is by Brad Chactus. You can always email us at cooperduperpod at gmail.com. Please go on iTunes and leave us a positive review and tell a friend. We'll see you next week.